Hi, it's Dune here, your host and hype girl. And before we dive into today's episode, I want you to take a hot second to reflect. What's that passion, unique experience, or knowledge you have itching to be shared with the world? For me, it's always been about guiding you and cheerleading incredible women to start your businesses. So what's your thing? You see, everyone's got something they excel at, something they just can't stop talking about. And it turns out that one of the best ways to monetize those passions is through sharing that thing with the world as a digital course product. My life's work has been to chat with more than 600, 7, 8, and 9-figure e-commerce founders. And it's through those conversations that have led me to creating a foolproof playbook and my go-to guide for early-stage founders in the form of my first-ever digital program, e-commerce fundamentals. But it wouldn't have been possible without Thinkific. The beauty of this platform lies in its simplicity. Cute templates and a super easy to use editor. No coding headaches, no tech-induced stress, just pure focus on what matters most, the content. So if you've ever been curious about building a course to teach your passion, this is the way to do it. The genuine support from the Thinkific team turns it from this lonely, confusing headache into the most fulfilling and easy project. Go to the link in my show notes to get a free trial on me. This is Susan Griffin Black for Female Startup Club. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Female Startup Club. I'm your host, Dune Roisin, and joining me on the show today is an OG female entrepreneur, Susan Griffin Black. Susan is the founder of a company called EO, which stands for Essential Oils. They produce body, skin, and hair products made from active botanicals that are scented with essential oils. They also have a sister company called Everyone, which is the more accessible line that's affordable and for everyone. Susan's been in business for a very long time, 25 years to be precise. She launched EO as a four-piece collection to Bloomingdale's made from her garage in 1995, all while being a single mum and hustling every single day to pay the bills and keep the lights on. Fast forward to today, the business still remains independently owned by her and alongside her co-founder, Brad, and pulls in around $50 million in revenue each year. If you've been listening to my podcast already, you'll be familiar with the kinds of topics I touch on. We talk about the origin story, the marketing, the challenges, the money, and all that good stuff is totally jam-packed into this episode. But what I love most about my conversation with Susan is the key pearls of wisdom that are dotted throughout like the importance of pursuing the journey and the actual day-to-day of building a business rather than the pot of money at the end, and why it's critical as we move forward in this world to have women in complete control of their lives and being at the forefront of leadership. This was such an amazing conversation, and I'm so excited for every ear that finds this episode, and please do share it with anyone that you think will benefit from this story. This is Susan for Female Startup Club. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. 
Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'd love to go back to the beginning, Susan, to hear about the origin story of EO and how it got started in the beginning. Sure. I was, um, I worked for the late Doug Tompkins, who was at, at Esprit. And he was an amazing conservationist. And in that time, that was like a portal. I, I was a clothing designer. And I had the opportunity to meet just the best of the best designers, graphic designers, and really thought leaders. You know, Anita Roddick came through, and so did David Bauer and David Foreman. And really, it was the continuation of what Rachel Carson started in the 60s. And what Doug was particularly interested in was in how we were making clothing around the world. And what really the portal for me was looking at how cotton was being grown and all the toxic pesticides and how workers were treated. And I just saw what the possibilities were to make that different even though I could tell it was going to be a very long haul, you know. And so, so that was a, just a really brilliant uh, year that I spent there. And then um, his partner, Susie Tompkins, bought the company. Doug, Doug moved to Chile. And I wasn't sure, you know, how this initiative was going to continue because it, the structure was a little bit different. And I was sort of looking around for 
something that had a little bit more heart and meaning and connection if I couldn't sort of continue down the path of reparation and understanding how we were going to continue in the clothing business. And I was on a, a trend trip in London and I was running sort of back and forth between, you know, uh, sort of Covent Garden, like Paul Smith and Muji, you know. And I stumbled into this little courtyard called Neil's Yard. And right at 12 o'clock, I walked into this little apothecary and I stopped. It was like the smell was so beautiful. It was honest. It was vital. It was like being outside in this little space. And there were dried herbs and tinctures and essential oils. And I picked up this bottle of um, lavender, lavender and gustifolia, actually from France. And I inhaled and my life was changed. It was sort of like I looked around just to see if anyone was watching me because I felt like I was totally transported. And I thought, this is really what I want to do. I want to learn everything about this. And I want to work with these, you know, these essential oils. And so that's the short story and a, a very long story of how that came to be. But I would just um, urge everyone always to think about those moments when you receive information and you're absolutely, it's not, uh, it's not really a thought process. It just goes sort of right to your heart and soul. And then it's very easy to dismiss afterwards because it's like, oh, you know, that's crazy. And, but those, those are the moments I think that are the essence of what gives us courage and vision. And it's the beginning, you know, it was the beginning of how I got here. Now, when I look back, some other factors are, um, my, my son was four at that time and I could just see how, um, wearing it was going to be to travel the way that I've been traveling and this very disparate life and not be able to go to every basketball game and every parent-teacher conference and just having to swap out so many things and not be aligned and integrated, you know. So that was another uh, big motivation somewhere in there to think of what else could I be doing that was a little more, had, had a little more heart and meaning. And eventually, you know, it came together. Yeah, so I think it's just crazy how a moment can change the course of your life. And in your case, it's gone on to be, you know, 25 years of building this incredible business. And yeah, it's, it's just an interesting thing that in that moment, you knew with your full heart and soul that that's what you wanted to do. And so what happened then? So then I was, um, I was trying to figure out a way to bring this whole experience that I had, you know, back home with me and sort of teased it apart and uh, realized that someone I knew, knew the woman from Neil's yard. And so I went there and I worked in the store for a bit to learn everything and studied aromatherapy, took a crash course in cosmetic chemistry at UCLA. And I imported those products for the U.S. for a bit. And then we parted ways and in 1995, um, we launched EO, 
And I had been tinkering really with essential oils and blending and learning, you know, so I'm I'm pretty self-taught through trial and error. And we had a little cult following um, because of being in the clothing business, you know, things were kind of transferable to beauty editors and so forth. And in 1995, Bloomingdale's um, ordered some product for their exclusive product, you know, for essential oil blends for their holiday catalog. And we didn't really have a name for the company yet. So I sat next to my friend who was a designer um, at Apple. And I liked everything minimalist, clean type. So we picked the type and it was a teeny little label. And instead of uh, really talking about aromatherapy, I wanted to talk about the oils themselves. So we called it EO, stood for essential oils, that made sense. And, um, and developed four blends and kept going from there. Wow. And so back then, you didn't obviously have the foresight to think, hey, I'm going to grow this amazing business over the next you know, few decades. What was it like in those early days? Was it the struggle? Was it um, hustling to, to get by or was it taking off quite quickly? Oh, no, it was definitely, definitely hustling to get by because I started really without a particular plan. It was sort of I'm going to do this, and then and then the next thing would open up. And, you know, I was uh, a single mom, and I had, you know, some, some support in terms of, you know, back and forth custody with my former husband. And so I was really had a little severance from a spree, little savings. So I knew I had to um, build it in a way that was quick, and sustainable and it was like what is the shortest way to cash flow so I can keep it all going and fortunately we got a large order from Birkenstock a little foot care kit and the person I was dating at the time who is now my husband and was also is still my business partner you know for all these years um, was like you know he could do anything. So when he saw this order and he saw that we were thinking of pouring it, you know, from the beaker into the bottle, and there were 10,000 bottles, he was like, oh, no, 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 you know, we have to figure out a way to gravity, gravity feed and, you know, fill this faster. And he kind of had me at gravity feed, you know. I was like, <laughs> the angels were singing at gravity feed and we worked <laughs> like nonstop to fill this order. And then that was sort of the beginning of being able to see that manufacturing was really an essential part of, of what we were doing. So we had a little warehouse space and we, we made the products that we could and everything was sort of cold mixed or we had a little hot plate for lip balm and, and just started to sell gift stores or anyone really who would, who would buy from us. Kind of like starting out with the mom and pop kind of shop. Definitely. And then aiming to get into bigger retailers. Definitely. And, you know, borrowed money from family and friends, raised about, raised a little money over those first uh, few years, about a hundred thousand bucks. And, you know, but, you know, a, a 10 gallon pot and then a 20 gallon tank and then just kept learning everything we could. 
And then, you know, we tried to have contract manufacturers, but they didn't like working with essential oils, especially at that time, because they're a little finicky and each one is different. And so we were determined to not use synthetic fragrance. So we just made, made it ourselves, you know. That's so amazing. And in those early years, because you had, um, you know, your life circumstances, you're a single mom, you needed to provide for, for, your, for your child. Did you become profitable quite quickly because of the way that you were structuring the business? No, but we were at, at, <laughs> we were at, at break even. So, you know, I was very practical about this. Like if I could take enough money to live as my salary and uh, borrow enough and I, I could always max out my credit cards, you know, because I had a, a strong working life before this. Then, uh, and I also made sure that um, if I could get COD terms or, you know, at the time people would put, put orders on credit cards or anything I could get for people to pay up front, it was worth a couple of points of a discount because I really became the cash flow queen. And to this day, I would recommend that for everyone because it really is the lifeblood of the business. And you can't, you could manage, even if you're very profitable, but without cash flow, it's, you know, no go. You don't have enough money for payroll. It doesn't matter how, much, how good the margin is, you know. So, so, you know, it was very organic and very... You know, all credit cards maxed out, all cash from every direction, and we just kept going. That bootstrap vibe. (laughs) Mm -hmm. For so many years, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And obviously you have, um, you know, 25 years in the business. It's a really long time to cover. But I want to know from your um, point of view what the real inflection point was when things started to change and you were like, okay, I can just breathe a little bit more now and I don't have to hustle the same way that I was in those early years? You know, it's, I I think it's not, uh, it's fits and starts. We would get to a place where it would be like, wow, I'm not sweating payroll. You know, things are humming along. We're getting new accounts. So about two years in, we started selling to Whole Foods. And at that time they had about less than 50 stores. So we were able to really be part of the natural products market and grow with Whole Foods. And then that was a very natural place for us to be, like-minded, kind of tribal, lots of support, beautiful community. And so, you know, sort of for those, those years, even when there was stress and struggle, kind of knew who to call for what, you know? And that was a good run. That was a great run. So, and, you know, it was okay. It wasn't like we were a huge business, but things were working. And by that time in 99, we bought this sort of rundown private label manufacturer. So we expanded from an 80-gallon tank to 1,000-gallon tanks. They had the capacity to. Wow. (laughs) And they taught us, you know, really how to scale up and we inherited a chemist and some really good compounders so we were able to do different things and then of course along with that came increased overhead and equipment that had to be working 
a lot more time than we could ever imagine. So we would do some private label, you know, runs for people. And it was just always a matter of, okay, what is the next right thing that we could do to keep it all going in the best way? And so, you know, we really found our home in the natural products industry. People were great. They loved what we were doing. We grew organically with the whole movement. We helped create the industry. We helped create, you know, organic standards, and safety standards. And so it was, it was a relief because there was just this flow of collaboration and support. And do you think that in, in around that time, had you thought to yourself, okay, yeah, we're going to make the choice to not go down the route of getting venture capital funding or raising tons of money and grow really, really fast um, and instead grow like sustainably and grow at our own pace and take a bit longer to get there but essentially be around forever? I, I think one of the questions is um, where was there? Because I would ask people, whether it was a number, whether it was like how, how did different uh, times in the business feel? And I remember asking Roxanne from Bird's Bees, like, was there like a really great time, like when you were doing two million or when you got to five or, you know, and she, she was very um, honest about there, it's not in the number, you know, definitely those markers of I'm not sweating payroll were profitable, you know, but it was more, you know, you can coast for a little because, you know, you know, uh, overhead is basically less than and if everything is going well. And, and then you just hit another point. And if the market and what you're doing sort of meet up, then there's this compulsion really, and there's momentum for growth. And you can have managed growth, which is definitely what we've done over the years, but it's not, it's not the unnatural push. So we just took it a very different path. And then you guys seem to go from, you know, having the whole food stores and um, the mom and pop shops. And, and I think you had um, a company called Mervyn's. And then you went to kind of like Target and Walmart and TJ Maxx and all of these wholesalers and you really kind of went to the next level what was that time like so um in 2011 my son's band came home and I was picking up towels in the bathroom and uh I was I did a quick like inventory of products and they were all really bad like I had to call an immediate focus group there were six of them I was like have I taught you nothing (laughs) and they're like mama you know EO is too expensive for us. The bottles are too small. We need, you know. And so so I took that back to work. And sort of at the same time, um, we knew how to make, we had done a project for Whole Foods. And so we knew how to, the cost of making something in bigger sizes was. And it, we knew that if we could do the volume, that we could make an okay margin and, you know, and and then keep working from there. And so, but with the same product charter, just a little bit different choice of ingredients in terms of, you know, the essential oils can be $6 a kilo or, you know, 
$16,000 a kilo. So somewhere in there, you have to just sort of, you know, design into what it is that you're doing. And so we made six products and it was everyone, everyone for everybody. And the idea was essential oils for everyone and making a, a product that was with our same charter, but really accessible. And so it started with six products, three 32-ounce lotions, three uh, 32-ounce soaps, three-in-one soaps. And that just took off, you know, like uh, we had the infrastructure and we had already been in business for, you know, quite some time. And so that's been a different, different ride, really, because dealing, you know, being outside of the natural market, of course, Whole Foods Food sold to Amazon. So the whole market was changing and growing and mainstream markets and mass markets were really interested in more natural products. So we sort of just had the, the good fortune with hard work of meeting the market uh, where it was a little before it was actually there. That's incredible. Wow. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
I'm so interested to know, you know, what were you doing in those early days, like pre-internet for marketing? And then how did that sort of shift when everyone started? And then the third layer of it is, and where is it now for you guys? Because you've obviously seen so much change in so many, you know, new platforms, new everything. Um, I'm so interested to see that, like, the beginning to the middle to the to the now. Yeah, it, it is really, it's so interesting. I don't think we would have ever had a website except my um, brother-in-law was a tinkerer and an ER doc and said, you guys have to have a website. So that was like in 95, like, okay, we'll have a website. So he built us a, a website, but you couldn't really shop from there yet. And then just watching the internet evolve and come alive and in some ways and then sort of, you know, dip. And so for us, um, you know, we, we, and still we say this, you know, we're, we were always makers. We weren't marketers. And, and for us, it was a matter of, can you make a beautiful product inside, make it simple? It'll stand out because, you know, basically we like type we like type, we like simplicity, and everyone else had leaves and all sorts of botanicals. So just it was quieter, really. And um, and so we had a little bit, built a little bit of a cult following in, in the early days and, and sort of kept going. So the main thing that we did for marketing was we got our hand soaps in the bathrooms at Whole Foods. That, that was our... That was our ah. big marketing initiative that Brad thought of. And it was genius, right? That's genius. And, and so <laughs> that's really how, you, you know, and then people tried it and they were like, oh my God, this smells so good. You know, where is it? And then we moved to, we had, uh, you know, a hand sanitizing wipe stand outside of every Whole Foods. And so that was marketing. I love that. Get it onto as many hands as possible. Uh, yes. And, you know, and, and, it, and it worked. And we didn't really have to think that much about it because, you know, we were growing at a steady pace and we knew our customers. And, and so when we got into distribution, so instead of, you know, going to Whole Foods, going to our customers, that was, you know, palletized shipments and everything and, couldn't really control where it was going, but it was in the natural foods market. And um, we started really looking to see what else we could do for marketing. So, you know, it was more of doing demos and, and sampling than it was anything else. And so then, you know, our we started down the path of uh, e-commerce late in the game and never really thought about D to C as such a driver, even though when we looked at it, we're like, the margins are so much better. You know, why why aren't we spending all of our energy? And and you know, we were at thirty eight people for a very long time, and then EO launched, and I mean, everyone launched, and then it was sort of like, you know, it's been crazy for since then. So we're at about one hundred and sixty people, and we've got about three buildings, and we still manufacture everything. Um, and so we have a brand studio now that's a little bit more, you know, buttoned up, put together, includes digital and, you know, have invested in digital heavily, I guess, over the past few years, but I really mean few years, you know, it's not like, um, in our DNA yet. 
and look, our Amazon business has been great, and you know the Thrive Markets and iBird, and and you know we've put in a map policy years ago, so we've been really trying to manage it alongside with other retail growth, you know Target.com and Walmart.com, and just trying to figure out this omni-channel world that we live in with some sort of semblance and mastery without going crazy. And it's very fortunate because our, uh, we hired a president a year ago who is extremely well-versed in um, omni-channel and digital, digital first, really. And it's transformed the way we think about things and the way we do things. And we could really see the results of Tom's thinking um, and vision and strategy over the past year when COVID hit because everything right uh, unprecedented really in demand. Yeah, and I imagine during this time you would have had to have you know pivoted or made changes to the way that you're producing and selling, yes. right? So the only thing we're making uh, really since mid March is um, hand sanitizer and. And so, and, you know, we have inventory of other things and we try to fit a few products in between, but that's been sort of our straight on course of uh, production. I think I read um, that you guys had, it had increased by like 1300% or something, you know, through the roof, roof, you know, from, and from every channel, you know, and so um, I, I was on my way to the trade show which was canceled as soon as I sort of got to Southern California. And this is our, you know, our annual national uh, products trade show where we see all of our friends and community once a year. And I thought, wow, this is really something. And by the time I spent a few days in Southern California, went to New Mexico, came home, we have a little retail store in Mill Valley, and there were people lined up around the corner for sanitizer when I got home. And I was like, oh, this is, this is terrible. And then what I noticed is, you know, we're in the business of taking things off of the manufacturing line, putting them on pallets, and putting those pallets in a truck to go to warehouses, you know, everywhere. And then, and then it ships back to my whole, my neighborhood stores, right? Because that's sort of what we signed up for. So getting hand sanitizer in the hands of local first responders became our priority. And so, you know, it was just, it, it's really been a fascinating and challenging time. Do you think, you know, post-COVID and post the current landscape, you'll go back to producing the same amount of products in your line that you were before? Or do you think you'll kind of become, you know, more of a a brand that's like hand sanitizer and hand soaps and things? What does the future look like? I think for everyone, especially that we're, uh, and really looking at how we've evolved over the past years, you know, because we're makers, we just tend to be over-skewed. We just, you know, we can make anything. And so that's always been our, let's try this, let's try that, without the, the real um, 
rigor, discipline, testing, verification. And, and that sometimes from a, just a, a business point of view takes a lot of time and energy away from the core of focus. And especially as we've grown to really get, understand that, you know, every new category is extremely expensive. So if you get, get really good at one or two of them, that's pretty much as good as it gets. You know? So it's taken us 25 years, but hey. And uh, so we'll see. Yes, I think we'll choose very carefully and we'll become the clean hands company and the clean and healthy hands and body company so that we'll really be, uh, be more focused yeah, and kind of strip it back to, you know, the bestsellers. It's really interesting and, you know, something that obviously no one could foresee coming. Has it been, do you think, a step change in the business? Has it, you know, really pushed the business forward? Again, uh, forward. So I, I think the short answer is yes. Yes, because it's, it's forced certain things that – in terms of quick growth and managed growth, this is one of the times where they've really um, coalesced. And so the momentum is very strong. So, you know, you got to go with the flow. That's, that's part of, a, you know, being flexible and nimble and bootstrapping and all those things. you got to pay attention and just, you know, sort of move with it. Yeah, take, take it for, for what's coming at you. I wanted to ask you, um, you know, after you've been building this lifelong successful business, what, like, what does the future look like? Do you think to yourself, yeah, we're going to just keep building this business or do you think about selling? Have people come to you with, you know, an offer? What does the future look like in that regard? Well, it's, it is so interesting because, the, I've been on panels, you know, over these these years, and people are always talking about Series A and Series B, and you know, and then we're and and even in listening to your podcast, and it's so interesting to me that you know, it's it's so much about it, it feels a lot less about the journey and the sort of everydayness of it, and what's the What's the strategy and what's the exit strategy as part of that? And then I always wonder, well, then what? Then, you know, and so uh, some people are serial entrepreneurs and I don't know that I'm a serial entrepreneur or that we're serial entrepreneurs. We kind of like, we go deep, you know? And so that, that's just how it's unfolded. And because we didn't start with that sort of um, pre supposition that we're in, we're out, we're, we've got this much cash and then we're going to the next, you know, it's, it's uh, been a very different landscape. So I guess, um, you know, I think we think in terms of either uh, employee owned or stewardship with the right, with the right company, you know, private equity at this stage, no reason, you know, we've managed to avoid it for, for this long. And we, you know, we've really grown by putting the money back in and banking, beautiful banking relationships. And, uh, and we did raise a bit of money from the same people who gave us money initially uh, a few years later. 
So less than a million bucks. And so, and they talk about patient capital, you know, it's been like, (laughs) I don't know, 18 years or something. So, you know, people are still like, oh, mm -hmm," you know. (laughs) Absolutely. I want to know what your advice is and some of your learnings for women who have a big idea or who are being inspired by these podcasts maybe to start a business? I think that um, women-owned businesses and female leadership is the way. I, there's just no question about it. And I can see from my experience also of having children and being a mom and this uh, round of COVID and work from home that really the, the way for women to be in the workplace, especially moms with young children and, and otherwise, is to have a flexible work schedule that meets the demands of their lives and is reasonable. And so because it's, I can just look around and see how much stress not commuting has taken out of the equation of so many people that I work with And when we hire people, I always say, like, are you sure you want to commute like this? You know, I think that's it's just uh, a cruel thing to do five days a week and and then have all these other things that you have to do for other people. So I think that female founders and female leadership is the way I think women are more intuitive, compassionate and Uh, emotionally intelligent and they bring so much to the party. So I just encourage every female that wants to have a business to just to, to do it and to think about the next steps without getting too carried away about the cash out moment, thinking that that's the moment of celebration because it really is about the day in and day out journey. And I've always said like, if, if I can do it, you can do it. You know, I mean, there wasn't anything like exceptional about, I mean, I paid attention. Yes, I found this great, something I was interested in. So passion is important. The why is important. And wanting to create a company that you would want to work for and be a part of is important. But I like dream of people and especially women having integrated lives. So, you don't have to groom yourself for this business meeting as if you're walking into something that, you know, with values that are different from the values that you have, or you don't have to show up for this as one person and show up for that as another person, you know, with, with boundaries, you know, but, I, but just from, but from a values point of view, not so much. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that, element of lifestyle design and the the commuting aspect is certainly something that everyone's thinking about now that we've had, you know, the current um, COVID-19 pandemic. I think a lot of people feel that way where they're like, why do I have to spend, you know, hours of my day doing things that I don't really want to do? And why do we have to, you know, work this way when there is different options available to us now? Well, it also will have to still change and evolve with companies um, in those working from home policies and things like that. But 
yeah, I think lifestyle design for women especially is, is really crucial. And I think now that a lot of people have had a taste of it, <laughs> we're going to see a lot more. Yeah, there's, I, yeah, I don't think there's any going back. And, and then also, you know, when you get children in the equation, life changes in a, total, in, a, in a very different way. And so the complexity of management is, uh, is different. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was wondering, when you first started your business um, in 1995, was there a woman or even a person in general that you admired in business and that you looked up to for like, you know, a blueprint or like, not even a blueprint, but where you were like, hmm, I want to be like that person. It is so hard to believe that in these 30 years, you know, 25, 30 years that the world has changed. And really the only woman that I knew that was self-made was uh, Susie Tompkins, who, uh, the, who was the founder of Spree with Doug. And uh, Susie Tompkins Buell, she lives in Marin now, and I just had coffee with her. Uh, not so long ago. And um, I just, she was always my idol because she created a company. She ran a company. She was brilliant and human and had two kids who were, you know, around and she traveled the world and she managed to, to do all of these things seemingly effortlessly. And we were talking about it over a tea, you know, a couple of weeks ago. And as I've spent time with her over the years, sort of more of the stories of the real stories would eke out. But, you know, it just, it's such a different world now. And I'm so happy to have been in this part of it to see the, to see the evolution. Because unless you've seen the evolution, you don't really, you can't really get a sense of, what the improvement has been and what the opportunities and and expansiveness is uh, that I've been able to witness. So she was one, um, Anita Roddick, definitely from Lady Anita Roddick from the body shop. She was another one who was just incredible, but you know, there weren't, there weren't that many or there were women who were really modeling themselves after men. And so that didn't seem like a, a feasible option, you know. I, yeah. They must be, um, those women must be so proud to know that, you know, you, you were looking up to them and, and to see what you've now built and what you've created for the world um, and for your own family. It's just amazing. Yeah, Susie's been a really great <laughs> supporter, a really, really good friend. I love that. We're up to the six quick questions. So we'll get started with number one, which is what's your why? Uh, To create beauty, but it's really love, I think. Love that. (laughs) That's so nice. I think it's really true. Agree. It is true. We need to have more love Mm -hmm. in the world. That's for sure. Can never have enough. Number two is what's the number one marketing moment that made your business pop? You know, I think it really was this. We have many moments and then this COVID situation and our partnership with Lyft 
And just the inflow, influx of demand was incredible. What's the partnership? So uh, we donated um, hand sanitizers and hand wipes to Lyft to keep their drivers and passengers safe in the beginning. And that had a really incredible uh, ripple effect out there. And then that enabled us with the demand to deliver to all first responders in our area. So you can just see sort of how one thing, one good thing, you know, can beget quite a few, few more good things. Isn't it funny how um, that's the strategy, or not the strategy, but that's the thing you've done now, but that's also what you were doing in the very beginning when you had your yes. hand soap yes. Um, yes. at Whole Foods. It's carried through on, on, um, on this whole time. That's crazy. Number three is where do you hang out to get smarter? I'm a Zen Buddhist student. And so I find that, um, you know, going to Zen Center or just now on Zoom, just really paying attention to that community is sort of uh, allows the information that I do get from all of these other sources to sort of integrate and settle. But um, I kind of read everything, watch everything, and just absorb, you know. Do you have any recommendations for reading that I can add yes. to my list? Um, Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind. Great. I'm going to order it after this. It's yes. <laughs> straight on Amazon. <laughs> Thank you. Question number four is how do you win the day? And that's around your AM and your PM rituals that keep you feeling happy and successful and fulfilled. Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of a night person. I always have been. So I don't like to get up particularly early, like 7, 7.30. And then I read for a good hour and a half. I read everything from the Times to Fast Company to um, every to, you know, some articles in Medium, to Dave Pell's Next Draft. So just a really good look at everything that's happening and how things connect, you know, Harvard Business Review. So from just from all, all sorts of disciplines um, and have a coffee, 10-minute meditation, and then start the game. Sounds like a really great way to start the day. <laughs> really nice way to, to get it started. Uh, question number five is if you only had $1,000 left in your business bank account, where would you spend it? Lavender essential oil. It's my favorite. I use it every day. Because I know we could sell it. It's a best seller, right? We could sell it the fastest and then keep going. I believe it. I totally believe it. When I run out, I'm like, I have the empty bottle still so I can still at That's least right. sniff the yes. bottle. <laughs> oh, I love lavender oil. It's, it's um, always in multiple of my bags. Um, question number six, final question is how do you deal with failure? And it can be around a personal experience or it can just be your general mindset and approach. I think for me, it's been so often in so many ways and so many things and at different levels, you know, different. And so it hits different points is first to accept it and to really sort of it's, it's sort of like, a you know, first <laughs> denial like, is this really happening? Do I have to really deal with this? Then it's sort of like, oh, this is happening. And then moving quickly to solution. 
if there is one, you know. I'm not talking about personal loss here or grief. I'm just talking about, you know, we order too many bottles and there's a recall or I'm talking about typical sort of business things here. But uh, yeah, is how no blame. It's like, what did we do? What can we learn? What's the fix? Love it. I'm just so um, happy that I got to chat to you today and I'm absolutely in awe of what you've built and everything that you've been doing. So I'm really grateful and thank you so much. Thank you so much. Such a pleasure and you're such an inspiration and I really love the work you're doing. So all best to you and um, I hope our paths cross soon. Hey, it's June here. Thanks for listening to this amazing episode of the Female Startup Club podcast. If you're a fan of the show and want even more of the good stuff, I'd recommend checking out femalestartupclub.com where you can subscribe to our free newsletter. We send it out weekly covering female founder business news, insights and learnings in D2C, and interesting business resources. And if you're a founder building an e-commerce brand, you can join our private network of entrepreneurs called Hype Club at femalestartupclub.com forward slash Hype Club. We have guests from the show joining us for intimate Ask Me Anythings, expert workshops, and a group of totally amazing, like-minded women building the future of D2C brands. As always, please do subscribe, rate and review the show, and post your favorite episodes to Instagram stories. I am beyond grateful when you do that. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's June here. Thanks for listening to this amazing episode of the Female Startup Club podcast. If you're a fan of the show and want even more of the good stuff, I'd recommend checking out femalestartupclub.com where you can subscribe to our free newsletter. We send it out weekly covering female founder business news, insights and learnings in D2C, and interesting business resources. And if you're a founder building an e-commerce brand, you can join our private network of entrepreneurs called Hype Club at femalestartupclub.com forward slash Hype Club. We have guests from the show joining us for intimate Ask Me Anythings, expert workshops, and a group of totally amazing, like-minded women building the future of D2C brands. As always, please do subscribe, rate and review the show, and post your favorite episodes to Instagram stories. I am beyond grateful when you do that.